Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest today is Bob Chapman, a member of the Board of Directors with CASA of Sonoma County, and we're going to be talking about child advocates. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Nice to be here. Tell us what CASA stands for, and in a nutshell, tell us what it is, and we'll talk about it in depth in just a moment. CASA stands for Court-Appointed Special Advocates. It's an all-volunteer organization. So there are 990 CASA programs throughout the nation, and every state has at least one CASA agency. Nationally, there are more than 17,000, that's a lot, of CASA volunteers. In California, there are 47 CASA programs, and the Sonoma County Agency, which is now in its 23rd year, was California's 32nd program. Here's why CASA exists. When a child has been abused, abandoned, and or neglected by his parents, the juvenile court may determine the child should be a dependent of the court. When that happens, many different professionals enter the case, including social workers, attorneys for the child in Sonoma County, law enforcement officials, educators, and counselors. Now, none of these paid professionals are focused solely on the child's daily well-being. This is where CASA comes in because, for example, in Sonoma County now, there are now 168 kids that are in the system. And there are over 123 active CASA volunteers supporting them. And that's great, but right now there are 77 kids that are waiting for their own CASA. So for that reason, we need more volunteers. One of the things that happens is if this new foster child, newly fostered by the courts, he's seven or older, the judge will assign a CASA. And this is a trained volunteer who mentors and advocates only for the child's welfare. CASAs provide the constant companionship needed during a time of turbulence and confusion. And CASAs actually represent the child in court. So almost 18 years now, I have been a CASA. And Bob, what made you want to get involved with CASA? My wife and I lived in the Bay Area, Foster City, actually. And I retired from 3M Company. I was there about 30 years as a regional sales manager. When I retired, we moved here. Actually, I live in Oakmont, which is a suburb of Santa Rosa. It's an active adult community. And I had this feeling that I really needed to give something back. So Millie Gilson is our executive director. And she runs ads in a local paper, the Kenwood Press, which is close by where Oakmont is. And in that paper, she asks for volunteers and gives a brief description of what's done. So even though I was a little hesitant, wasn't sure what I could bring to the party, I volunteered and went through a training program and was accepted. And that was in the fall of 2002 and have been a CASA ever since. And uh, it's been very interesting and challenging and rewarding life to be a CASA. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest is Bob Chapman, a member of the board of directors with CASA of Sonoma County. We're talking about child advocates. Bob, let's talk a little bit more in depth about why CASA got started in the first place. 
reason why CASAs exist is because of child abuse, basically. And uh, one of the things that uh, it's current even now is that child abuse doesn't stop with a national pandemic like we're suffering with uh, the coronavirus. So kids are still abused, they're still abandoned, they're still neglected by their parents. The judge and the system says that there needs to be somebody to represent this kid, not only as a mentor, somebody to show them what a normal relationship looks like, but someone to actually represent them in court. So we actually go to court with these kids, which is a little intimidating at first, I got to tell you. And when in court, we're recognized as our social workers and as our lawyers. We write a report that's based on what we believe the child's needs are. And this has as much weight in the court system as does a report written by by attorneys and social workers. So it's it's a pretty powerful situation, and the and the courts really value our services. Typically, if you're a new casa, you audit a couple of court appearances to get the sense. Okay, I get, I get the idea how this is supposed to work. And then typically, and this happened to me a lot when I was a casa, the court would ask me, Mr. Chapman, what do you think should happen that now? And oftentimes, when you're in court, the reason why you're there is the court is going to make a decision about where the child lives, where the kid that's in the system lives, the foster kid. And your opinion may be somewhat different than that of the lawyer or of the social worker. I love social workers because I I have such great appreciation for the work that they do. These people are well-educated. I think they're overworked and probably underpaid. And uh, one social worker, one of the ones I had, had up to 30 cases. And it would be great for her if the kid would just stay in the same place and the kid wouldn't have to be moved to a different place. And my opinion might be, well, that foster home or that group home where that kid is really isn't doing this kid any favors. So I have to stand up and make sure that my voice is heard and the kid voice is heard because I represent that kid in court. What I'm trying to do is be the eyes and ears for the court of what's really important for this kid, what this kid really needs. And there's all kinds of group homes and there see them less now than you used to. And there's all kinds of foster homes which are becoming more prevalent. And sometimes these foster homes may or may not cut corners. Like uh, you can imagine some of these kids bring a lot of issues with them. Like my kid who had this horrible childhood with a mother who wasn't there and the father split years ago. And so the kid had a lot of emotional managed anger management issues. He might want to go to a different group home. Then it was up for me to give my opinion, should the kid stay where he is or should he go to a different location? And sometimes my opinion might disagree from the social worker, especially if I thought the kid should be moved. And now the social worker has to do all this work to find another place for this poor kid to live. So when I finally got through to the social worker, I said, listen, I'm a, I'm a CASA, and if you can give me an hour of your time, I'll be well prepared, and I'm going to try to find a way for me to help you get accomplished what you need to be done. If the kid needs to be in a new home, I'll, I'll do some work to help you source what these new homes would be to make that decision simple. What if the group home is over-medicating the kid? And that happens sometimes, and a new social worker may or may not know about that. So uh, I do my work is to find out what kind of meds the kids are on, if I can get that information, and all these kinds of things that affect the kids on a daily life. So what I discovered was is that social worker is the key contact, and if you can really be a help to a social worker, then you can really be a help to the kid and try to put those things together, which I did. Well, my kid, I met him in 2000 and 
two and were until he graduated high school. Again, now he's almost 30 years old. And he and I used to actually co-present when I was doing active volunteer training as a faculty member. He would co-present with me and we would go through the parts of the training program. And he would tell the folks that were there and this kid wouldn't pull any punches. And he would say, I would not have succeeded if it weren't for CASA. CASA got me through this. So now I'm happy to say that this kid is now living on the East Coast. He's got a job. He's got a girlfriend. He's got a car. And he's not perfect, but so few of us are. But uh, he's finding ways to put his life together and, and make this thing work for him. So for him, Casa made a big difference. Well, that seems like a great approach to have someone that went through the system or went through the program as a child to be able to help during that training time. What a great testimony. And then also working so closely with the social workers. Obviously, we know the judge is on board, but do you think the attorneys and the families, are they typically in favor of having a CASA involved? The attorneys I worked with were very much in favor of it. The families, I only worked with one closely, and they tried to be part of the situation. Actually, the father was long gone and actually passed away some years later in Alabama, which is why the family left Alabama in the first place to move out here to California so Mike Kosicki could be with his grandfather. The mom wanted to be with it, but she had so many issues of her own. But, I mean, this is how kids get into the systems because the families are so dysfunctional. Uh, there, I'm sure there are times when she wanted to be the mom, part of a situation, but couldn't be because she just didn't have the wherewithal to make it work for her and for the kid. And so you have to make sure that the kid understands you're there not to be somebody who's going to give money, but to spend time with them and hopefully show him what a normal relationship looks like. So what occurred to me is that I have to develop a level of trust with this kid. I have to be able to show him that I understand what he's going through. So we're going to have to make some important decisions, and I'm going to be influencing, trying to influence the judge as to make the right decisions that I believe are in the best interest of my CASA kid. So it's the night before the court session. And the kid and I are at a local restaurant, and uh, I, I told him that I knew what tomorrow was going to be about, and I knew that he knew what it was, too. And I told him that uh, when it comes time to go to court tomorrow, I'm going to say that I don't believe that you and your mother should be reunited. And he looks at me, and I knew this is the kind of the breaking point now, because if I don't establish trust with this kid now, it's not going to happen. So I had to relate to him on a level that I thought that he could understand. So I did it this way. I told him that uh, when I was his age, my mother had some problems with alcoholism, which she did. And I said, I knew my mother loved me, but I knew she couldn't always be there for me. And I, would, I told him about times when I would come home from high school and I was concerned about bringing friends home with me because what shape would my mother be in? So I knew that she loved me, but could I count on her to be maybe, maybe not. So I related that to my kids saying that I know your mom loves you and she wants to be there for you, but I don't think she can, at least not now. Do you get that? And he said, I do. I don't know if I fully agree, but I understand what you're saying. So we go to the court the next day and there's the mom with her attorney 
there's my kid with his attorney, there's me. It's an active courtroom, and like the judge always does, he asked me what I thought about this reunion with my kid and his mom, and I told the judge exactly what I told my kid the night before, that I don't think it would be a good idea. I don't think the mom is ready for that type of commitment right now. And the judge agreed with me, and it didn't happen. And the social worker, basically, and the attorney, we all were kind of in agreement there. So to trace back to when Mike Kid and I were doing co-training sessions, we would talk about that particular point. And we would talk about the importance of establishing trust. This is to the incoming CASAs now and what they could expect to see as they're working with their kids and the importance of, of establishing trust. And so I asked my kid, I said, when that happened in court, what did you think? And he said, I didn't like it at all, Bob, but I kind of thought you might be right. And now, years later, I know you were right because she hasn't gotten any better. It was a powerful moment, but a real important moment for these incoming, these CASAs that were going through the training program to hear about the importance and, and the value of establishing trust with your kid. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest is Bob Chapman, member of the board of directors with CASA of Sonoma County. We're talking about child advocates. Tell us about the volunteers. We know your background. Is there a typical volunteer or a specific age that works better? I mean, tell us who they are. Once I've met, and I've met a lot of them, they're really a huge cross-section. Uh, a lot of them are retired folks that want to get back kind of what was my scenario. And others are people who maybe don't have children and want to reach out and be involved in children's lives. And so they volunteer their time, young women, young men that have the time to do that. All kinds of different ethnic backgrounds. Matter of fact, uh, we're active here in Sonoma County. We're actively soliciting more Latino men because as we find that uh, there are certainly Latino kids in the system since uh, there's so many Latinos living in in Sonoma County now. So it's a a broad cross-section of of humanity that become CASA volunteers. And you mentioned that it could be a little intimidating as you were when you go to court. What type of training do you provide that will help someone get through that? There is a pretty strong training program and it's typically about four times a year, and I would direct you to the CASA website, which is sonomacasa.org, to find all the latest and when the next training session is. It's held here in Sonoma County, just north of Kenwood, where our local offices are. Bob, you mentioned that an advocate only carries one case at a time. How long of a time commitment does that usually entail? As I mentioned earlier, there are 123 CASA volunteers serving 168 children. So a lot of these CASA volunteers will work with sibling families where it's one case, but it could be two or sometimes even three kids in the group. So so what CASA looks for is about 12 hours a month, depending on where you are. Like when I started out, it was typically two to three hours a week. The CASA kids get moved around a lot, going from one foster home to another. So as the, as my kid went to further away, he was down in Bolinas for a while, which was like an hour and a half drive. Instead of seeing him every, every week, I'd see him every other week, but I would spend more time with him when I was there. But it usually averaged out to about 12 to 14 hours a month. They look for a two-year commitment. Actually, one of the reasons why I've been in it this long was after my two years was done, 
and these kids see so many people coming and going in their lives. My personal decision was I don't want to be like that. I want to have a long-time relationship with this kid to see that there really is a commitment on my part. So I'm, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I'm still part of that volunteer program. Do you think that there's an impact on the kids when they find out that their CASA is not getting paid when everyone else in their life is? Do you think there's an impact on it? I think there absolutely is. And I think the kids realize that since there's really nothing, there's no financial gain in it for the CASA volunteer. They appreciate that that volunteer is giving up his or her time just to spend time and help that kid. And how are you funded? Most of it's uh, volunteers and people making donations. There's a lot of grants that are issued. I can tell you that in Sonoma County, that our annual budget is about $525,000. And about 20% of that comes from an annual fundraiser, which Casa Goes Cowboy, Casa Goes Caribbean, whatever that year's theme was. And this year's theme was actually supposed to be Casa Goes Caribbean. It was scheduled to be held in May. And a lot of people would come. It would be great fun. But as you can imagine, that didn't happen this year. So we had a virtual online fundraiser and it worked really well. We hit our goal, which is close to $100,000, where there were silent auctions and things like that. And people really stepped up big time to help out CASA. So it's basically grants from a different organizations, some from the state and some from local businesses that want to help out and individual donors. That's where most of that money comes from. Bob, how do you guys get the word out about what you do? I mean, do you do speaking engagements or do you talk to groups or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of that with uh, Rotary clubs and Kiwanis clubs and sometimes with churches and different groups and organizations. Basically, what we really need are two things. We need money and we need volunteers. So when I speak, uh, I I tell folks that it costs about $1,000 to train an incoming volunteer. And that's to give them their tools that they need. But it, to raise that money for the training and to fund these, the staff, that's what we look for, to support the organization to keep it going and money to help train the volunteers. Bob, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? If folks are out there and they're looking for a way to be involved in some kind of volunteerism, if you feel like you have would have 12 to 14 hours a month to to work with kids and, and you're looking for something that's really challenging, really rewarding, sometimes frustrating, I can think of no other opportunity other than what CASA provides. The training will give you all the tools that you need and you'll work with some amazing kids and you'll have the ability to make a positive difference in their lives. So I really strongly encourage people to think about if you've got the time and there's that interest in helping your fellow kid, this would be the great opportunity for that. I'm looking in uh, on our website now, again, at sonomacasa.org. And right now I'm seeing three things, programs, uh, different programs that can involve you and how to get involved and how to donate, all of things that which would be tremendously helpful. Hopefully I'll see some folks at a CASA training session. And I think you'll find that it's an amazingly rewarding way to uh, spend your time. Bob, give us your contact information. If anyone wants to talk to you about anything that we've spoken about today, what is the best way to go about doing that? And give us the website one more time as well. It's sonomacasa.org. 
And if I can be of any help to anybody personally, I'll give my personal email, which is bobpat815 at comcast.org. And my cell phone number is 707-322-1322. Thanks to our guest, board member Bob Chapman. For more information on CASA of Sonoma County, email us at closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at klove.com. For Closer Look, I'm Kendra Ponzio. This has been Klove Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.